Good morning. Uh, welcome back to the Christmas Tree Farming Podcast. Uh, just continuing on our discussions about uh, new Christmas tree farming and things to consider uh, with tree farming. Today, I uh, wanted to talk about we have uh, a excavation company here working in the back part of our farm. Uh, we're going to be digging a pond an irrigation pond for the back part of our property. The the front and the middle part of our property, uh, we have city water uh, available with uh, like the hydrant style adapters in the ground. So we don't really have a need to to dig anything for the front. Uh, But because we are uh, irrigating our our seedlings for the first 24 months. We do need a uh, readily available water source for that. So uh, today uh, we got the uh, the bulldozer going. They're going to be stripping back the topsoil for the pond. The pond's going to be about an acre, acre and a half. We're going to conserve all that good uh, topsoil so we can reuse some of that on uh, other areas. And then they are going to go ahead and start uh, digging that. I, I expect that would take about four days that's what it took last time probably four full days uh, for people considering digging a pond you know there's a lot that goes into digging a pond uh, for irrigation or for you know anything in in general you know fish or or whatever Uh, typically what you'll want to consult is those same usda soil maps and the soil surveys for your county in kentucky that's readily available with the ArcGIS. Uh, if you go on to uh, you know Google and you type in ArcGIS Kentucky Soil Survey, you'll get a really clean looking map that you can drill down and find your county, and you can take a look at the soil types and the clay liner and just all the information. Um, they give a recommendation on uh, septic drain ability. I forget the exact code on it. But if it says it's bad for septic, it means it's good for it's good for digging a pond, right? Because the septic, you want the drain field to be able to drain pretty free, freely. Uh, so if the septic capacity for drain is poor, that means good for pools. Um, also, in that conservation survey, it will give it will also give uh, suggestions on uh, pond damming and embankments and stuff like that. So it's a good resource. The other resource is call your uh, soil conservation agency at, at your county extension or, or the the USDA office. They t- sometimes have a soil conservation agent that can talk to you. Um, they don't get into what they used to do where they would actually come out and help you survey your property for, you know, the, the level lines and where the dam needs to be. They're not really doing that stuff anymore. But if you can't find any of your soil maps, they can help point you in the right direction. They're not going to give you a recommendation on if you should build a pond or not because that's a liability for them. Uh, just like everywhere, the best, I guess, best results for or best indicator for if your pond will hold water would be, does anybody have a pond near you that holds water? And Because digging a pond is really a gamble. And... Uh, you got to have someone that knows what they're doing, you know, to put the dam in and, you know, cut it all out 
and then use that clay liner, that clay layer to, you know, pack it all in there and dig in a really nice deep core for the dam, at least four to six feet deep and pack that in there with clay. Because if you just start pushing dirt and making a dam, even if it'll look good, it, it just won't hold water. You know, it, it will leak. Uh, we, I've learned through experience. Uh, we had we have dug a pond t- 10 years ago, and this was a nice pond. It was probably going to be 20 feet deep in the center, really nice, and um, was a little bit of a rocky area, and clay wasn't great. We did the best we could, and this pond would not hold water uh, more than 10 feet. So you're looking at, you know, 8 to 10 foot of bank on this pond. I mean, it was still 10 feet deep, so it was still usable, but, but because of of the uh, the dam the embankment and the area around the pond it would seep it would seep out and uh would not hold water past the first eight to ten feet so you know it didn't look great so we got to think about that um and we, we ended up leaving that property so it really didn't matter but it, it is an investment for people considering you know what's the excavation cost for digging a a pond about an acre pond most excavation companies um, charged by the hour. So it doesn't really matter what they're doing. The, as long as they're moving dirt, moving equipment, they're going to charge you by the hour. Here in central Kentucky, that's going to be at a minimum $125 an hour and at a maximum probably around $200 an hour. Depends on what piece of equipment they're moving. Uh, for me right here, where we're, I think he's using a, a D10 bulldozer, uh, which is a big old bulldozer. And, and he's charging he's charging me about 150 dollars an hour to move that so you know you do the math four days you're looking at about five thousand bucks so it's going to cost me about five thousand dollars to dig this pond paying a little bit extra because we're going to peel all the topsoil back and uh, that takes time but i'm not going to have him re-spread it back out around the pond i'm going to do that with my tractor to kind of conserve that but we wanted it we wanted the topsoil because we can use it and it's we don't have a really deep layer of topsoil here so that four inches we'll take it we need it um irrigation wise very important to us uh everybody's kind of mixed reviews on that but um you know being in from the army a really popular saying was uh there's never time to do it right but somehow there's always time to do it again or do it over or fix it right so the big big thing there in my mind is, yes, it's going to cost you more money and it's going to take just a little bit more time on the setup, uh, but you're, you're gonna, your survivability rate for your seedlings will be much higher, you know, fi- up to 50% higher um, after two to three years if you can irrigate those uh, seedlings for the first 24 months and get those roots established. Um, we're, we've chosen, there's lots of different irrigation methods. Uh, we've used, I've used different irrigation methods. Um, it's all a balance of money and time and what, what makes sense, sense for you. Uh, with us trying to conserve time, like actual labor and gas, we're going the more expensive upfront method, which is for us is going to be drip irrigation, uh, specifically uh, drip tape irrigation uh using a toro brand drip tape irrigation with the drip emitters for us they're they're the one gallon per hour flow and they're about eight inches apart uh you you can buy kits if you've never used drip irrigation before there's a lots of pieces and 
you know, uh, couplers and tees and terminations and all kinds of stuff. So I would highly recommend at least first buying one of those uh, row crop irrigation. The row crop irrigation uh, kits, they're, you can be found on several uh, websites. If you Google just uh, drip tape irrigation kit, uh, row crop irrigation kit, um, it's been my experience that you can save a considerable amount of money if you just buy the stuff that you actually need. But if you've never done it before, then get the kit and just, you know, put it up on a quarter acre and just fill it out. So for us, um, they, there's basically the way our rows are spaced and everything. Uh, one of we we run zones on about a half acre of uh, about a half acre of property. So one half acre will be zone one. The second half will be zone two. So I'll basically for my seedlings uh, up to two years old, that's about two acres for me. Um, so I really need four zones. So that's uh, four main pipes. They call it a head end pipe for me. I use like a one inch uh, lay flat. Uh, some people use the two inch. It really just depends on how far away you are. Uh, so I use a a one inch pipe that basically goes down the outside of all of the rows. And then we roll out the drip tape and terminate that to the head end pipe. And each of our rows is somewhere between, de just depending on uh, geography, 250 to 350 uh, feet with shooting for 300 feet is what we're shooting for. So uh, what that'll be for me, that'll be somewhere, that'll be about 12 rows. So 12 rows in each zone is 12 to 20 rows, I guess, depending on how long the row is 12 to 20 rows. And that's a zone. So coming from my fields, I will have four head end pipes, four head end lay flats or four head end, just PVC pipes, depending on what you get. They're running all the way back to my water source at my water source. I will have, uh, for me, I use a timered zone controller. It's not that expensive. Um, so at we have, a, I have a, like a high pressure water hose that connects into a into like a little covered box, and inside that box will be my timer. So it'll it'll say, as an example, you you know run zone one for an hour, run zone two for an hour, you know, and then stop, and you put it on a timer. Why that matters is. My city water, like where my farm gets into my city water, is actually before my residence. So if I'm irrigating, if I was irrigating during the day or early evening, it would it would hurt my water pressure in the house. Where we have, you know, say 30 or 40 PSI, I would be down to like 10 or 15 at my house sink. So I have it set up so it's it kicks on at midnight, and then each zone gets 90 minutes or an hour and a half. So I can get from midnight to 6 a.m., I'm running basically zone one for 90 minutes, zone two for 90 minutes, then it goes to zone three for 90 minutes, and zone four for 90 minutes. Each zone working by itself for 90 minutes. At one gallon per hour emitter, each eight, in, each eight inches, it's basically uh, 1.5 gallons a night per eight inches. And it, it works out for me. Uh, it, you know, it's not an exact science because of elevation and how long the row is and closer to the water source is definitely going to get the 1.5 gallons. 
the furthest reach away from is probably 0.75, you know, less than one, but that's okay, right? I've, I, we opted for the eight inch instead of the one foot or the two foot. Well, the two foot would be ridiculous. There's no way you could do that. But the one foot spacing, we go with the eight inch spacing. And I've we've tested it basically. So on eight inch on, on center, we run it down the row and you let it run for 90 minutes. Uh, on the surface, you only see like about an eight inch uh, circle of water. But if you dig down, the water circles are probably about two feet and they connect. So from from about eight inches down to, to a foot and a half down, it's it's uh it's solid moisture. So that I mean that's exactly what you want. You're not wasting a bunch of water on the surface or areas. It's it's seeping in and it's getting deep, not just big circles on the surface. Um but there's a cost to that, which is why we're having this discussion. Uh, no matter what method that you use for irrigation, you will need irrigation. I recommend that you run irrigation, you know, eight to nine months out of the year. The, the months that you can run it where the pipes wouldn't freeze, um, run your irrigation. There, there are more advanced methods of irrigation. You could actually run some low voltage cabling with your irrigation to reach a sensor for your zone. So each zone would have its own uh, moisture sensor. Um, that's something I'm looking into. I haven't, uh, we haven't done that yet. So I just have mine to run every night, no matter what. Um, I don't, I don't care if it, it rained that day. I don't don't care if if we think it's, if it's moist or we're not thinking it's moist. My irrigation runs every night for six hours, every night on my zones. So that's what they get. Um, now if it rains a lot, if it's raining a lot, I might go out there and turn it off. So I don't need it because it's just a waste of water at that point. But, um, but you get the drift. Uh, we're irrigating, so that that's going to happen. The overall cost, I would say, uh, the kits are more expensive. The kit's going to run you about five hundred dollars uh, for a quarter or up to a half acre, depending on your row spacing. I I think it's about three hundred and fifty bucks for the uh, the Toro brand big boxes that are like if you get the big box of Toro, which is about, what is it? Like five or 6,000 foot. That's going to run you two or 300 bucks. And then you need the couplers and whatever else you need, you know, the lay flat. So I think a good estimate is probably about a, about another five to $700 on the acre for irrigation materials. Of course, the water now that's going to be the, you know, an expense that you've got to go. So now now you're talking another, you know, say $750 an acre. And if you remember where we was at with soil amendments, we're spending probably around $1,000 an acre for soil amendment. And then we're going to, on top of that, have another $750 an acre for irrigation. These are prep costs, not the ongoing maintenance or the water bill or the, the, uh, soil amendment that we need throughout the year this is just to get the one acre plot set up ready to go for our seedlings so that you know that's a recurring cost and you know if you had if you had 50 acres at two thousand dollars an acre i mean you're at a hundred grand a year um to get those established i guess it's not a hundred grand a year but it's a hundred grand over the course of the life plus the maintenance cost so it's pretty significant uh something to think about there are other methods that cost less money but they require more time and or gas or labor. 
Um, some people water by hand. I don't think that's reasonable for me. Uh, I don't want to pay staff to do that. I don't want to. I don't want to live out there and have to carry things around to the two thousand seedlings. Um, so that's out. Uh, I have witnessed like the next best method would be overhead irrigation and as long as you're willing to move them and stuff i think you're good there as long as you get the coverage you're not going to get the soap the seep the seeping you know soakage and it's not as automated but it definitely will still work as long as you do it and you're willing to move your sprinkler heads you know for your two acres i think you're going to be all right as long as you run them every single day um you know hot outside or cold outside doesn't matter run them every day and then Lastly, would be like a water wagon, or you get a wa- uh, big water tank, and we would do this in crops. We would big water tank, you know, 500, 750 gallons. You fill it up or pump it out of the lake, uh, which is what we're going to do in the back part, um, and with, with some overhead trash pump irrigation. We we will do. Uh, you basically have two big PVC pipes coming off the sides of the wagon, and you turn it on and it drains slowly and you just drive down each row and it just pours out water at each tree you know you you pull up wait 10 seconds pull up wait 10 seconds pull up wait 10 seconds and you just keep doing that until you're satisfied you know that's it's a it's not too bad that's all i got for today i hope everybody enjoyed it uh we won't i won't be doing a podcast for for a couple weeks this is why i wanted to get this one out um we will catch you next time